Hello and welcome to episode five of the Get Into Grits With podcast, where this time I travelled down to the Big Smoke to meet Paul McGregor. Paul lost his dad to suicide nine years ago, and we delve into how he coped and came to terms with his tragic loss and what he is now doing to help inspire others to speak out. When I met him in London to record this episode, he was also hosting his first mental health meetup where campaigners and amazing individuals took the stage to discuss some of their experiences and battles with mental illness. This event was so inspiring to say the least. We also discussed some staples in Paul's life for productivity and things that keep him in check with such a busy schedule. So let's get into it. Okay, cool, we're rolling. Let's go. Let's go, let's do it. Um, first of all, thank you very much for taking the time to um, A, invite me down to your event today, and B, um, sharing what's gonna be, I'm guessing 45 minutes to an hour of uh, a bit about you. Um, I thought I'd start by probably sharing what I know about you already. Mm-hmm. Um, stop me if I'm wrong. Um, I understand that you are an array of quite amazing things at the moment. You'll keep yourself very busy. Content creator, speaker, influencer, blogger, entrepreneur, um, mental health advocator, campaigner. There's a lot of titles already. You run an online fashion magazine (laughs) uh, that's been very successful. You've been featured on the likes of GQ, Esquire and Vogue. And you are also a dad and a husband. So you are busy. You've, like, done, you've done your research. I, I've done my research. <laughs> I have. Um, and I followed you, I think you reached out to me just before Christmas and kind of said it'd be cool to like, you know, collaborate in, in the new year. And I've been following you ever since then, man. And yeah, it's, it's really cool what you're doing. Um, I usually start the first questions and kind of talk about like fitness, health and well-being, which are kind of the pillars of what get a grip are amongst um, the broad spectrum of mental health and physical health. But you've kind of seen how out of shape I am and you're like, I don't want to ask him any I was fitness like, questions. I'm not going to go into like <laughs> CrossFit and all this stuff. I, I was more in, intrigued to ask you about um, the fashion industry uh, and what got you started and the steps that followed you to actually launch your own online magazine, mm-hmm. which, you know, a lot of people are interested in fashion, but actually to launch something that you're clearly passionate about. Was that something that you always wanted to do? Did that start at a young age? Kind of talk me through, um, yeah, mm. like your interest in fashion. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I always say that I wasn't interested in it, but I think growing up, going through school, I always wanted to look good. But of course my style was very different back then. I used to wear like G-Unit and Slim Shady and- Baggy jeans. Yeah, they used to, yeah. Skate shoes, that was my thing. That was the trend. Um, so I kind of always wanted to own nice clothes um how you would label nice back then i don't know but yeah i always wanted to look good and then what happened is i started to sell um polo shirts on ebay um these polo shirts were from china and they had a certain crocodile on the front of them and um there was only so far i could take that that business as you would call it and um that did pretty well and i was doing that from i think you know around 15 um 16 maybe and then um what happened is i started to sell that on ebay and then around 2010 i started a fashion retail store so it's called brighter man it sold men's accessories and um yeah to be honest with you i got into the fashion industry for business for money um and on the back of that i then started to write for different blogs different magazines 
as a marketing strategy, but started to really appreciate it a little bit more and started to know more about fashion. And then obviously started my own magazine, which meant that I spent you know, a, a, a long portion of my first year writing content about fashion. So that's kind of how it all started. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a journey from then, but I always played down how interested I was in it because I didn't want to admit it. But looking back now, I think I was quite interested in fashion. Are you still interested in it? I am now. Like recently, I stopped doing a lot of the fashion stuff. The business, the magazine, still runs, but I wasn't creating any content around it. And then what I found is I went sort of maybe six months without doing anything, and it actually affected how I felt because I wasn't really paying attention to my appearance. And it's almost like fitness in a way. You must get to a point where you almost plateau. You feel like you know everything. You're at a certain point, and then you stop, and then you actually realize how important it is. So um, recently, I've started to look into ways I can reinvent my wardrobe again, sort of introduce different styles. And I think I had to do that because I was very much dressing for other people rather than dressing for myself. Whereas now I feel like now I've worked on the mindset. You know, I'm just going to wear whatever the hell I want. It's, it's, it's different now. Well, that, that kind of leads on quite nicely to my next question. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of, I thought about this and I've, you know, your, your style changes over the years as you sort of get older and in your social circles. And you could argue that, you know, it's an expression that says a lot about a person, um, their interests and in some respect, their personality. Do you think the industry can be guilty of being, um, you know, an external facade to perhaps internal shortcomings and self-consciousness? Yeah, 100%. I think fast fashion in particular, women's wear is, is more dangerous than men's wear, I think, because... You've got you know big sites like Fashion Nova, Boohoo, which sell dresses for sort of 18, 20 pounds. And their whole marketing strategy is buy a dress every weekend, you know, and just continue to buy and buy and buy and buy. And I think for men as well, yes, we see people wearing certain items and we judge ourselves upon what they're wearing or how we're feeling. And it does sometimes have a negative effect. And I feel like now my style improved once I actually felt confident inside rather than dressing to try and get compliments. Yeah, you to maybe feel, feel like you didn't have to go that extra mile to like maybe get that extra affirmation that you probably weren't giving yourself. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I, I was at a real low point in my life and, you know, exercise helped me, but what helped me most was dressing better. And dressing better got compliments, it made me feel good, it was buying a new suit, you know, it's a nice feeling. And it helped, but then those feelings are very short, short-lived. You know, that compliment that you get is nice. It makes you feel good. But then when you go home and you're in, on your own, it's not enough to continue to sort of push forward from that point. Um, so, so now I don't feel like I have to dress for others. I don't feel like I have to dress to get compliments. Um, that's kind of now taken care of. Cool. So I see, I, maybe not perhaps, in, maybe it still is in fashion. I see you get invited to speak at a lot of events. Um, what is kind of like the day job? Is it like marketing? Because you do, you're, you're kind of like an influencer, a speaker, um, sort of outside the, the mental health world. Yeah. What kind of um, spaces do you speak at mm -hmm. um, in regards to fashion and marketing and that sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, so um, two sides of the business is one, the magazine. So the magazine obviously makes money from advertising and two, um, digital consultancy. So I do a lot of digital marketing. I teach at London College of Fashion a short course on how to start an online retail business. I also do a course on fashion marketing there. Um, and then off the back of that, I now, as you say, talk at different trade shows, um, different fashion events, 
short little 30 minute presentations about how you can start your own online fashion business um so yeah that's kind of what i enjoy that as well i really enjoy the marketing like getting into the numbers sort of looking at other businesses so i do enjoy that part of it and of course that then funds a lot of the stuff that i do now for mental health so what are there some bad recommendations and advice you hear in your profession or area of expertise is there anything that really grinds your gears on the fashion yeah, on the fashion side mm, i think just the whole positioning in terms of obviously i get it from a marketing perspective you know if you've got a nice watch you want a guy driving a bentley wearing that watch because it positions the watch as a higher value product but at the same time we now compare ourselves to those people. And that's what I found myself doing is I was dressing well, I was buying more expensive items just for status, mm. for no other reason. So if I went and bought you know, a Savile Row suit, I would tell everyone that it was a Savile Row suit and I would keep telling everyone because it's very easy now for us to compare ourselves to others via social media. And honestly, from you, know, you see a lot of the men's fashion bloggers, women's fashion bloggers, what happens behind the scenes is completely different. So you see some of my photos on Instagram. Um, the behind the scenes of that is me walking around with a suitcase with five different outfits getting changed in a pub toilet and then taking a nice snap. So it's not as glamorous as the photo actually looks. Does that make sense? I think it's cool to see, it would be good to see some more behind the scenes in, in everyone, I suppose in everyone's Instagram because everyone seems to be an influencer these days or a, you know, an online, yeah. something um, which because they cool. know the value now though the, the, the issue is is I wouldn't say I'm an influencer a lot of people that you know people say they're influencers aren't influencers because it's not a term that you can give yourself it's you have an influence over an audience and I feel now people get into it for the reason of making money but I've been doing this for nine years and the influencer marketing didn't exist nine years ago it wasn't a term that people yeah. threw around all it was was people sharing videos on YouTube of what they were passionate about, you know, fitness in, in particular. Mm. Whereas now people are getting into it for the wrong reasons, they're doing it because they want to make money. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that what I would, would like to see change is more transparency in terms of what they're putting on Instagram and showing actually this is what happens behind the scenes. It's their highlight reel, that's all it is. And that's what I was doing. I was showing my highlight reel. This is me wearing a really nice suit when I'm sitting at home wearing tracksuit bottoms and eating ice cream. So it's, does that make sense? That's yeah. what I would it like does, to see yeah. change. What's, um, you know, I think a lot of what you just said there crosses over into, uh, must cross over into the work you do in the, in the mental health realm. Mm. And you're, um, you know, you're speaking quite openly about that with your experiences and also you're on a mission to help others and you've built quite a big community. So talk me a bit through about why and how you started your mental health um, campaign and mm. journey from that side of yeah. the table, which is obviously a big part of your life as well. Yeah, so one of the you know, biggest turning points is I lost my dad to suicide in 2009. So um, that kind of hit me hard. I didn't deal with it well. I started the business a couple of months after. So it was very quick. And that business was a distraction. It was just put everything into this. Um, and there was other things that distracted me from it. And then there was a time when I just crashed. Like I hadn't grieved over it. I just distracted myself from it. And I, you know, I, I was struggling. It's hard to say, I always run away from the label of depression because I remember the doctor saying, you're depressed. And my biggest fear is that I would end up like my dad. So when the doctor said, you're depressed, you need to go on antidepressants, it was like my dad's breakdown playing out again. Mm. So I run away from that diagnosis and I was like, I'm not depressed, I'm not depressed. And I kind of went on a, I just, I just tried so much stuff. And it was a, a long period. 
exercise helped me loads. Um, but then what happened is I, you know, started to just learn more and more stuff about myself and about my dad and suicide and mental health. And then five years, I would say, the dates are probably a little bit off. Um, I wanted to kind of talk about that. So I wrote a, a blog post. Um, it was called Why Men Kill Themselves. And it was literally just me reflecting on the last sort of five years of me trying to understand myself, understand you know my dad's decision. Um, and what happened is I then reached out to Calm, the charity. They liked the article. They then managed to get it on the Huffington Post. It was over, a, I think it was called Building Modern Men. They were running like a month campaign of it. And off the back of that, I had so many emails. You know, people just saying how it really resonated with them. Um, it was written for men, but then I had women saying, you know, I'd lost my husband. This has helped me understand why he did it. Or I've lost my brother. It's helped me understand why he did it. And I was just reading through those comments. And honestly, I was, I was emotional. I was crying. I was just like, Absolutely, this, yeah. is, this has helped people. Um, but I had a big ego. And then I was like, okay, this is great. This feels good. But how am I going to make money from this? And that's me being completely transparent. So I didn't do anything for probably a year and a half. Um, I dabbled in it. And then I was like, I don't know how I can help people. Um, and then probably the last six months, I made the decision that I'm just going to give as much value as I possibly can and not expect anything in return. And that's changed a lot. So now, like you say, it's kind of building up a community and influence. Mm -hmm. And I, I love it. I love it. It's just it's so much more meaningful than selling an advertising space on a magazine. Yeah, because human interaction and connection, like today, and we'll, we'll touch on it a bit later, but you, know, you, you set up this event where you're getting like-minded in, individuals together to really you know, fly the flag for mental health and almost celebrate in a way that, yeah. you know, like you said, speak your strength. Um, I'm interested to know, like you kind of said you put a lot of those feelings and emotions on the back burners um, when your dad took his life. How long did it take for you to address it and how did you grieve it did you feel like you addressed it properly and, and gave yourself time to grieve no i mean over like as of recently up till today have you grieved it do you feel yeah now i mean honestly his anniversary is in march and the last anniversary that just went um you know my now wife amy she's been with we've been together she's going to curse me if i get it wrong but i think about six years and she says this is the first year she's seen a difference in me because even though I felt like I'd accepted it a year ago two years ago I used to shut off and she would see a massive difference so leading up to it I would just change I would mm. shut off it's a I big wouldn't. thing yeah. yeah of course so this year I feel like I've, de I've dealt with it you know I've forgiven him and forgiven myself and forgiveness is such a big thing that a lot of us don't go through um, but how I dealt with it initially was just pure anger um, you know I heard the news and you know, I punched, like the kitchen worked up and just cried and cried. And then I always, I said it recently as well. What then happened is me and my brother go and get dinner at a fish and chip shop and you're ordering fish and chips. No one knows what's just happened. Only you know what's happened. And you're carrying on as everything's normal. The next morning, me and mum walk the dog. Everyone's like morning. And they don't know that your dad's just taking his own life like the day before. And then life just goes on around you. And I said it as well recently that the first sort of maybe six weeks is it's hard that you're distracted because, you know, my dad had an inquest, you had, you know, police there because it was an accident, you had tons of support. Obviously when people start finding out, 
tons of support then you've got to plan the funeral etc so it's almost stressful again, stressful but it's a distraction mm. um you spend nights in your room on your own sort of upset um it brings the family together but you're distracted from all of the ins and outs the hardest moment that i found is when all of that stopped so like after the funeral after everyone forgets that your dad took his own People life kind of like get on with everyday mm. life and you, you kind of left to yeah yeah. Expect- the hardest thing was me was okay now how do I deal with this everyone's moving on mm. I need to move on but I don't want to move on and yeah I, I just I just chase short I always say I chase short term pleasures just you know going out drinking I think I went clubbing six days after my dad died because it was me being that male alpha male like I'm, I'm fine put it um, on the back burners put it on the back burners like let's just go out let's have fun and people were questioning why I was there um, I remember I went to a bar you know a couple of weeks after Again, I was there. This is this is a you know a true story. I was there. Everyone was talking. I was like, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Got in my car, just cried like a baby on the way home. The whole journey home. You wouldn't just, show that. You wouldn't dare show that. To just anyone. crying. Just yeah. just broke. And yeah, those distractions helped me for I'd say probably a year and a half, two years. But um, then it all comes flooding back. And then it was a moment where I just was really really low and just thought, I haven't I haven't grieved. I haven't dealt with it. I've just distracted myself from it. Um, and then that's when the kind of process to feeling better about myself started cool man um, I'm, it's, it's great to hear that you're you know it, it's never going to leave you is it but it's it's you sound like you've you've processed it better as you've matured as, as a as a man um, and it sounds like you're knowing yourself as well a lot a lot more who you are today yeah and it kind of leads on to what I want to speak about next is you know, what challenges do you think modern men face in society today? And in your opinion, what, why do you think we face such high suicide statistics in, in men in particular? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been diving into this a lot. I've got, I've got a book coming out in October which really challenges this. And, um, you know, it's been years of writing. And it's, cha- I, I, it's, it's through a publisher. And someone said to me the other day, they say, you write a book to then rewrite the book to then publish the book. And that's what I feel like has happened. But... Um, it talks about the battles that my dad had of masculinity. And what I saw is my granddad, who's still alive, 93, went through wars, see his, you know, saw his best friend get you know, shot in front of him. Um, he, my dad was an only child. So my dad was brought up, obviously, by my granddad, who had that old school generation, didn't cry, didn't show any emotion. Stiff, that stiff upper lip, yeah, but Great that's, Britain. That, exactly, that's helped my granddad you know, through you know, the 93 years that he's had it. Um, but my granddad lost my dad, um, so his only child, and then a month later lost his wife. So my nan died a month after my dad. So he lost his wife and his son in the space of a month, and he didn't cry through any of that. Um, recently now, my granddad is not as well as he, he was, and he's more emotional. And it's, it's quite um, you know, strange for me to see my granddad emotional, because he wasn't emotional through all, all those times. So I think the issue that my dad had is he was brought up by my nan as well. My nan was obviously more sensitive. So then my dad, as a dad to us, was very sensitive. We would say goodnight, we would kiss, we would hug. Um, he was a very kind dad, but he would be strict as well. You know, there's a couple of times where I was very into football. I'd have a bad game of football, and he would tell me that I had a bad game. You know, it was very much, you were, you were, you know, you were terrible today. Um, and it was always, you think I'm being hard on you? Like my, my dad used to be like this to me when I had a bad game of football. And that was, that was, I think, my dad's challenge. He didn't understand what it took to be a man. 
Um, and I think the issue now that we've got with our generation is it's even worse. It's so much. So much overly we exposed. We're overly exposed. Yeah, we don't. We? we don't know. Like, do we? You know, for, for example, I, when I moved in with Amy, my dad didn't do anything. My dad got dinner served to him. He left the plate on the floor. He'd then go up and do work because he worked part time as well. My mum would clean the plates, etc. So when I moved in with Amy, I left the plate on the floor, sat back. She went, pick your plate up and take it out to the kitchen and wash it up. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> No, you're, that's, you do that's this. That's what you do, right? Dad does this, I do this. Um, and then that's a, you know, that's a huge battle as us as men now is to actually understand what, you know, what do we do? Do we stay at home and help? Do we do cleaning? Do we, um, you know, should we be very sensitive with our kids? How should we bring our kids up? There's so many different challenges now because I don't think we have a clear picture of what it takes to be a man. Um, and yeah, like you say, a lot of people are now being brought up very sensitively by single mums and, and parents and you know they feel like they can't cry they feel like they can't let out that sensitivity because they might be sort of judged mm. but you know holding that in is not helping them in any way it's a, it's a tough it is a tough space um it's so hard for a man and, and and girls and i think you know as great as social media is and obviously you're very active on it what would just kind of be in summary your key positives about it and also the dangers mm. in, in summary like how do you feel like that you know the space the space online has an influence over the suicide rates um you know a lot of unhappy people also what's good about social media like how can that be spun yeah. as a positive like what's your take on that there's so many negatives about social media that you'll see in the press and it is bad for our mental health like they say we're more connected than ever before but we feel more isolated you know, when we're lonely, we'll jump onto Instagram and start scrolling. And what you're seeing is everyone on holiday, everyone with family, you're seeing everyone's highlight reel. So then you're comparing your own reality to their highlight reel. And that's very damaging. Um, I saw as well recently that you get a hit of dopamine every time you get likes on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And that's, again, it's apparently it's the most addictive platform, most addictive thing now um, in comparison to everything. Um, so there's lots of negatives. The positives for me is it's an open platform. So social media is now a place that where everything used to get brushed under the carpet because you had the hierarchy. Now there's social media where we can actually openly talk about what's going on. So for me, you know, just talking about how I feel, how my dad's story, talking about mental health has been, you know, people respond very well because, you know, people haven't spoken about it in the past. Whereas now you've got a guy creating a video in his bedroom and putting it on Facebook. Mm. It kind of people can resonate with it. Um, the Me Too campaigns, so like obviously people, you know, exposing what's happened to them via social media. I think that's all positive because, like we say, it was there was a hierarchy that if you were these guys or you knew these guys, a lot of it could have been brushed under the carpet. Mm. Whereas now social media gives everyone a voice. Yeah, every, everyone, everyone's got a platform to yeah. to kind of move the dial a little bit, haven't they? And, and it, it could be as simple as like you say, having a Facebook profile. And a guy that I know, he did it. He just posted a little video. And I think he had like 10,000 people see it, but floods of messages. It doesn't matter how many people see it. It's just giving yourself that platform to actually speak openly and reach more people than you normally would if you was you know, down the pub with your mates kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So th yeah, there's loads, of, there's loads of positives to it. And I think what will happen as years go on is we'll start to learn how to use it better. Like social media is using us. Mm. We don't know how to Still use it. Still quite new really, if you think yeah. about it. The yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, there's so much that come around in the, in the past that people have tried and then they've actually realized how bad it is for them or how mm. addictive. 
and then they, you have to change. Do you ever go on detoxes, like social media detox? That I should. seems to be a thing. Some people be like, I'll have a few weeks off. Or I should. Some people even, perhaps not on what we campaign, because it's very, you know, it's quite self-connected and self-invested but a lot of people outsource their social media now yeah. and just don't even want to yeah, deal yeah. with it I mean the magazines all of that's outsourced because I didn't want to do that so a guy updates all of that yeah. um, my social media I do on myself I should have more detoxes Hon- honestly my biggest problem at the moment is addiction to my phone I just feel like I need to constantly be on it or um, and it's bad especially mm. like as a dad as a husband as you know I'm always like where's my phone I need to go get my phone make sure See if anyone's messaged me on Facebook or you know post this on Facebook, and that's something that I need to work on because it, yeah, it isn't it isn't healthy. So it kind of leads on to my next question and, and what I want to explore is how is your relationship with fitness, diet, general overall well-being? Um, how do you take care of yourself? We yeah. can always be better, um, but. I would like to know kind of what are your foundations to keep yourself healthy because you're obviously a busy guy, you're doing a lot, yeah. you're a dad, a husband. What are your key go-tos to look after yourself? Yeah, so I always say, you know, exercise nutrition was the one, it was a big part of me feeling better and I feel like a lot of people would neglect that. And um, so the issue with me is I was very obsessed. So I would find something a diet keto intermittent fasting you know whatever it was x amount of protein microwaving meals prepare and i would just go all in for like two weeks and then i'd give up and you feel guilty yeah i was just obsessed with like this is me i was either all in or i was all out and uh, you know you know the space that's just me bouncing up and down up and down up and down and then again i think it just comes with time looking back like what did help me the one thing that helped me was fasting so I, I always fast now. So I'll try and do at least 16 hour fasts. Wow. And again, it doesn't work for everyone, but I find now that with me, again, self-awareness, everyone's different. I'm self-aware enough now to know that when I eat, I feel very tired and very fatigued. Whereas when I don't eat, I have a lot more mental clarity, etc. Um, so I always try and fast for at least 16 hours. Um, that then means I can enjoy food a little bit more as well. What's usually your window then for, for eating? I don't normally have a window. I normally just try and leave my first meal as late as possible. So like one, two, yeah. three, sometimes later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love food. Like once I start, I cannot stop. So it's just Dude, that. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, that fasting period allows me to like right now I can eat my meal at three o'clock. It doesn't mean that I then go crazy because normally that first meal fills me up until maybe a bit later. Um, but also as well, what helps me is just moderation. Like I, I still drink beer occasionally, and like last night we had um, like cakes and cookies and stuff. But yeah, you've got to have hold that balance. It's more long term for me. But then in the back of my mind, though, I'm still like, I really want to get in really fucking good, like really good shape. Like that's like I've still got that in there, and it's like I want to do a 12 week intense like documentary. Yeah. Like. But as well, I think now as as my dad, what's what's more important for me is health. Yeah. Like my biggest issue right now is mobility and not exercising enough. And I can feel a difference in my mental health. So I, I haven't exercised enough and mobility. So like I need to, I'm so, like I'm not flexible. I can feel my kind of joints, everything aching. Dude, you need to get on two things I recommend in the, in the fitness world. So there's Romwad, which is like static stretching. Yeah. And I've just found a new gem called Movement Vault. Okay. 
So anyone what's listening, that, that? check, check that out. It's like um, dynamic, active stretching. I, I do it every morning. It's like hip openers, like shoulder mobility. It really nice. helps with fitness, but it's also like, sometimes I do like a morning flow. So it's kind of a bit like yoga. It just, it's 15 to 20 minutes. That's good. It's really cool, man. Like it's really well presented. Um, Cause I've tried um, the old, the, the lacrosse balls like yeah it's there, that kind of stuff rolling. but it's guided so like it's not guesswork and the guy who presents it it's, it's an american company and he's like a doctor um so he knows what he's talking about and dude it, it's just like part of my part of my morning routine now yeah um is getting some movement or flowing yeah, and I it's it's, it's helped it. in my training in waking me up um yeah it's awesome like so Check yeah. it out. And I think as well, I used to be very obsessed with gym. Like I wanted to look good, so this is what I was gonna do. I've got a big interest in CrossFit, but I've never ever tried CrossFit. Um, but also as well, running. So like my dad was a big runner. He used to run once, twice a day. He yeah. was a very good runner as well. Um, he became the veteran 1500 meter champion in, in England. Um, and he, you know, I got into running because of him. And I, I used to play football a lot, and I got injured once at football. I dislocated my kneecap, and he. Um, started getting me back to recovery via running and then I became quite good at running as well um, and really enjoyed it and then when dad died I started to go for runs of my own and I felt really very close to him quite connected yeah it's like almost like a meditation in a way like they say moving meditation I felt more connected to him and then you know I've neglected that over the last couple of years I go for the occasional run but again it's that battle of just um, like comparing myself to the old me like, why if I just run a 5K in like an hour and a half when I used to be able to do it in, you know, however many minutes? Um, so I think, again, it's just long-term, bit of movement, bit of running every morning, and then just yeah, see how it goes. keep yourself healthy. That's, that's it, yeah. man. Like, it's, you know, fitness can be, I think there's something for everyone. Like, you don't have to, you know, necessarily be doing bodybuilding shows or, like, going to CrossFit Games or, you know, I, I do always really champion fitness, and I, I always talk about it. It's kind of why I started this really and what's helped me through my own struggles and battles is mm. it's always kind of been my constant in a in a bit of a chaotic period or time so yeah it'd be like good just just keep it up man it's that's the advice I'd give you is just yeah. try and implement it in movement vault check I did out, um man. I'll check them out because yeah definitely movement it's a commitment again though isn't it it's like it's not a nice thing it's like I always say you've got to break comfort zones you've got to face yeah. fears you've got to make yourself uncomfortable sitting on a lacrosse ball I'm like I'm done like, I what's good about it is but it, long term it's going to help I wouldn't do it if I was doing it off my own back because I'm signed up to it I mean it's not a lot it's like it's like $8 a month but yeah. it's kind of it's forcing me to do it in a way and I made it part of my morning routine um, and I'm interested to know if you utilize a morning routine and what a productive day looks like for you. Yeah, I in mean- In an ideal world. Again, completely honest, my morning routine at the moment is terrible and it's so important to me. And again, the whole recovery that I had, um, the morning routine was so, so powerful. I remember reading a book called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, I think it is. And it's so simple, but he just talks about how just getting up maybe an hour early or half an hour early and doing a small routine will completely transform your day and it made a lot of sense I tried getting up early in the past but it just didn't really work um, but he breaks it down have you read the book? I haven't no he breaks it down as savers so he says do um, some silence like meditation or just silence um, affirmations visualisation exercise reading and scribing which is journaling to savers um, and it's even if you do like five minutes of each just have some routine 
So I did that for probably six months, and then I then thought, right, this helps me more than that, so I'm going to spend 20 minutes journaling yeah, you, um, you kind and go of, to the gym get, later it's on. It's a bit like diet. You get a feel for what works for you. For like, for example, yeah. fasting for you it might be something for someone else. Yeah. So you kind of mould it to your own yeah. path. And, you? Yeah, exactly. Knowing what helps you. For me, like, affirmations didn't really help me that much, so it's like I wasn't going to force it. Instead, I was going to do something else. Um, and yeah, I used to get up at about five, again, with kids it's difficult so sometimes now I, I always like to get up before everyone's awake because then it's like an hour of just you on yeah, your me own time, yeah. everyone's asleep um, and that massively helped also I've noticed that I'm most productive in the mornings. so when I was writing if I was writing at 5 o'clock in the morning I would be so productive and creative if I try and do it at midnight I'm not yeah, yeah. and again everyone has different times again it's self-awareness um, but at the moment my morning routine isn't good and I've got out of that routine, and the, the difficult thing is we've moved house, um, all the excuses are coming out now. Um, kids, you know, my little one, sometimes he can wake up at five. So like you set your alarm to get up at five, right, I'm gonna do this, it's, and then he's up. It's and real it's, life, it's hard, it's, like, it's, it's hard. easy for these, you get a lot of these guys, like you see all these videos and people are like, like yeah, like if you ain't getting up at five, yeah. like, you yeah, know. Yeah, comparisons, yeah. yeah. So you've got to do what works for you, man. Yeah. It all goes back to that balancing, doesn't it? And I feel like I can be guilty sometimes if I miss a day of stretching or if yeah. I don't journal that day, I'll be like, oh, I'm, I've, you know, it's going to be a bad day or mm. you know, I'm, 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 I'm going off the boil. And you've just got to be a bit, you've just got to be kind to yourself, haven't you? Also as well, going on that point, I learned how to salvage my morning routine. So before I was in that morning routine, that if I missed, like you just said, if I missed anything, it would ruin my whole day. Whereas now I've got into the routine of, if I've missed my morning routine, I've learned how to say, it doesn't mean that my day has to be ruined, right? Mm. Let's go from now, like, let's do this. Now I'm gonna get going. And let it steal your energy. Yeah, yeah. and that's what I was doing, is like, oh, I didn't get up early, you know, I feel rubbish now and your day's ruined. Whereas now it's like, I didn't get up early, no worries, I'm gonna do this, and then I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. But yeah, it's like, the, the perfect thing is, you see everyone waking up at five o'clock, and that helped me, but then when your little one wakes up at five o'clock, that doesn't help. So then I was like, right, I'm gonna get up at four o'clock. And then of course that makes it more difficult. But then sometimes you go to bed at 12 o'clock and then you're like, I can't get up at four o'clock. And like you say, it's just, there's no right or wrong way of doing it. But definitely I need to get that morning routine back in. So as a whole, I guess this question's in general, what is an unusual habit, observed thing or hobby that you love doing mm. or want to share? Good. Is there anything? Unusual. Mm. Something that many people wouldn't necessarily know about you. That's a good one. I mean, this is this is probably the one that I would say. So writing helps a lot. Um, but you're going to be surprised here. Um, when I was younger, I used to do a lot of um, MCing. Yeah, when the whole garage right, scene okay. was out. And all right, we got the yeah. south here, so yeah, we can my, just my start. You know, <laughs> we can just kind of like start. We can have a remix. I remember like, we. we I literally learned me and my mate. Me and my mate did it when we went away to Malia and 21 seconds by So Solid Crew. I started doing did it and he jumped in. At Malia? They, no, they always, I don't think they, they always did. seem to do like a tour around yeah. those sort of hot spots. I remember, yeah, every nightclub that we used to go to, there always used to be like a Lethal Bizzle or Kano or someone, Tiny Temper. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I was bad. I mean, I got um, my claim to fame is I, at 15, this little independent record label from Cornwall was like, you're, you're good, we'll produce a CD for you. <laughs> So I, I think I sold like 500 CDs. Again, this is like, Seriously? yeah, this is my inner entrepreneur. I was like, right, selling CDs, making money. Old tight MC McGregor. Yeah, you're gonna have to probably dig sink out. Um, I used to get so embarrassed about it though, honestly. 
Um, still do. Don't dig out anything. I will. Um, but then on that old MySpace account, I'll, I'll honestly, do some yeah, digging. it's probably on MySpace. Um, but then what happened is, um, you know, Plan B, the singer. Yeah. He ran a competition, and I entered this competition, and I got to the final five, right? And then uh, looking at the voting, I come second. The guy who won it was Maverick Saber, who obviously went on to He's do Messi. He's like pretty big. Yeah, so yeah. You must, you must have I was all right. I was good. Dude, I was you good. Must, <laughs> come on. Dude, if you're rubbing shoulders with Maverick Saber and Plan B. But then the funny thing is, is like my my um, missus, she she took she took me to see Maverick Saber at Brixton Academy, and I'm sitting there like. That could have been, could me. Have been me, man. It's could yeah. have been. Um, but no, no, that's really that's so. The cool. unusual that's habit, really right? Cool. Is I I was writing music, and then um, after Dad died, or before Dad died, he listened to one of my songs. He was like, "This is really good." And then I made like a little video on a camera that I had and Windows Eye iMovie Maker. Mm-hmm. Do you remember like Channel U, Channel IK yeah, days? Yeah, I was yeah. Like, oh, this is Mate, a, that flicking worthy. Flicking through the music channels was like. That was like MTV it. I thought this like is worthy of Channel Y, yeah, Channel yeah, yeah. AK, or you, or whatever it was back then. Channel U, yeah. It was literally just me and my mate went out driving one night, and I just said this little camera is just street shots, and that was it. Um, anyway, he was like, "It's a good like little little video." And then obviously, then um, that's when he died. So then I started to write some more music afterwards. But again, I was just like, "I'm not going to be a rapper. I'm like this, you know, white guy from Essex. Like it's never going to happen." So I kind of stopped. But the funny story is, is now when I do a lot of writing, stuff starts to rhyme, and I'm like, "Oh, right, you could actually so so, so a bit of alliteration." And yeah, so like, there's a guy called I'm going to butcher his last name, but Hussein Manoir, I think he does okay. a lot of like spoken word, and this isn't something that I'm going to start doing on my videos anytime soon. My missus is probably going to cringe if she hears that. Um, but I just like doing it. I just like maybe writing stuff it's down it's, it's into like it's poetry. Creative, yeah, it? and then and then just you know putting it in a drawer somewhere and then maybe I'll get them all out in 10 years time and start sharing that and you do you do a collab with Maverick Sabre and yeah, I mean, I'll be like I'm, I'm looking at Jay-Z more like but so did you sing or sing and rap no, or was it just MCing I could never sing I tried but just, oh, right, you remember auto tune cool. yeah, yeah, yeah I tried that, that I mean that made it a little bit better but it's some funny stories I used to have like a setup um, in my bedroom my bedroom was probably no no bigger than this little section your bedroom here. studio like the pop, yeah. the pop mic in your wardrobe it's like cancelled like, did you do it, that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. cleared out my wardrobe get in there my mum come in my like, oh what are you doing and I come out the wardrobe like mum I'm recording I'm in the zone <laughs> I'm making hits but yeah I mean you might be able to find some stuff out there oh but, man but that's probably the, I'm yeah. trying not to embarrass you I may, maybe maybe not no I, I, love, I love I liked writing and writing the book helped a lot because it's almost our journaling helps a lot it's almost like therapy just writing down um, everything that you felt and tracing back and I always find that when I write I learn a lot more about myself it's always discovering oh that's why I felt that way or oh yeah I remember feeling that way at that certain time and the reason why now that is because I can piece it together with this moment in my life and um, so yeah writing helps a lot and then now I start to make it rhyme a little bit and that seems to help cool do you um do you use like an empty book or do you use like a template journal because there's a lot of like I've journal tried loads, yeah. like have you tried a few different yeah, ones yeah I've tried like, like five, five minute, minute journal yeah. yeah self self journal self journal for me was the best I think self journal.co um, the get the get can I swear on this yeah the get shit done um, podcast get shit done planner by Dan Meredith that was good um, that was more of like a business productivity one. He breaks down like your day and like top three tasks. How to stay focused on yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, but for me, yeah, just an empty notebook, just writing down how I'm feeling. Um, so what I do now normally with journaling is I'll just get an empty notebook, start writing down whatever's on my mind. It helps with overwhelm. Sometimes when I'm overwhelmed, I just start writing it down. 
because I always say when you can see it in, on paper it, it's almost not in your head anymore and it's easier to start to figure out and then I would start to figure stuff out like you know arrow here you know this is why I'm feeling this way how to overcome it do this do this do this and then just it's always a mess you doodle yeah doodle, sometimes just, I wouldn't say a sketch I'm terrible but it's just um, yeah just, just there's no structure to it just whatever comes out of my mind just goes on this piece of paper and then at the end of it I'll always look back try and piece it all together and then write down sort of three things that I'm grateful for and why yeah. and then that's it that's, that's a common that's, one yeah that's all I do I think the five minute journal the self journal helps if you're very organised but for me I'm not I'm just I'm more freestyle freestyle yeah. Yeah, especially with the whole rapping thing. You know, I was always freestyling. Oh, man. I love it. That's so funny. <laughs> I love it. All right, so last question on the kind of tips, tricks, productivity stuff. So what purchase of £100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months? Um, good question, good question, good question. I would say a book. The book was called The Unevered Soul. Um, okay. I haven't... I'll make a note of that. Because yeah, I always the, write the books down with the guests and I put them in the notes. What's it called? The Unevered Soul. Unevered. I've probably said that wrong, but yeah. Um, I saw it pop up. Again, what helped me a lot was, was spirituality. Now, a lot of people frown on spirituality, but I was very drawn towards it. And I think the reason why is because I was trying to understand death. Mm-hmm. It sounds very morbid, but I was trying to understand what happened to my dad, you know, what happened to him. Where, you know, and I went on this huge spiritual sort of journey. And then I neglected all of it because you know rationally you start thinking you know is this is this really what I'm about is it more self-help um and then that book was you know probably the bit the first spiritual spirituality book that I've read in a while and again it just makes so much sense it depends on how much you take of it like I don't believe in a lot of law of attraction you know energies part of me does part of me doesn't but what are your thoughts on um I mean I hear it a lot on a lot of podcasts I listen to, a lot, of the, a lot of the big dogs, big players who talk about things like meditation retreats, silent mm. retreats, and also psychedelic trips to help yeah. treat past trauma, yeah. so things like ayahuasca, DMT. Like, what's your stance on that? I'd love to try it. Kind of, I mean, you can see it as an extreme form of therapy and self-help. Mm. Um, I've never tried it. I would love to try it. I've heard stories of people who have good experiences with it. Um, I call it the spirit chemical, DMT. It's like, yeah. it, it allegedly, you know, opens... I, I have a very close friend who recently opened up to me and has done an experience with it. Mm. And it was crazy to hear about... Uh, it taught him lessons. that, and, yeah. he, and he talked me through the whole experience and it, it really interested me. Um, Again, it's one of those things that I don't think people can judge until they've tried it. I, I spoke to a guy recently, his wife went out to Peru. They lost their daughter to suicide. And, um, you know, they take this... I don't know, this drink, it's illegal here in Peru and you're in this room and then you start hallucinating. Um, you throw up and it sounded horrible at first and he said the third day of it, when he went out there, this is the best experience he's ever had. Like he felt so connected to her, etc. And they go back like all the time now. And um, for me, it's one of those things I'd like to try, but I'm still, it's like that fear of unknown, isn't it? Like what is going to come up, you know? I think for me, it kind of, I have a big fear and always have, and I think most people do, of kind of losing control. And I feel like yeah. with like psychedelics, especially, I don't know how I'd react and deal with having intense experiences of the world and feeling yeah. out of control. So that's certainly a fear of mine. I think it probably is for a lot of people. But I think try it, you know, try everything. Yeah. Just, just, I always say experiment, everyone's different. Mm. It could work for some person, someone, it could not work for me. You know, the same with, 
like someone says, oh, if you're suffering with anxiety, you know, do a puzzle or do coloring. Um, the other day we got given an a thousand piece puzzle and there's Amy like on it. Just, she says it calms her down. She's doing this puzzle. It's me getting so frustrated with it. I'm like, oh, you know, I can't find the piece. Like, oh, this must go there and, and it made me worse. Yeah. And again, it's like, you have to try everything. Coloring for me, again, coloring doesn't work. So I'm terrible. But, you know, it works for a lot of other people. So it's just experiment with everything. Cool. All right. Um, so we'll probably start winding up a little bit, but I want to do a couple of like quick... Everyone's going to start running through the doors. Yeah, we've got the event starting very soon for, for those people that don't know. Um, so, yeah, a couple of rapid fire, maybe some slightly obscure questions. So if you could go for a beer with anyone who is alive today, who would you choose and why in brief? Gary V. Just, just he's, honestly, he just, he just knows. Yeah. I don't even need to explain really who Gary V is. If you're not sure, check him out. Just follow his Instagram. He's just, yeah, he's, he's just on the levels ball. of self-awareness. He's, yeah, he's just, you know, just check him out. We, we won't do on it, but that's cool. Uh, I, I think I'd like to go for a beer with him as well. Or Steven Gerrard, just for okay. football reasons. Football reasons. Um, so next one, if you could have a gigantic billboard, say for example on the M25, um, with anything on it, metaphorically speaking, getting a message out to potentially hundreds of thousands or millions, what would it say and why? Wow. Um, I've, I don't know exactly what it would say. One of my favorite quotes is, don't be ashamed of your story, let it inspire others. So maybe along those lines, or just some form of message to let people know that you know they're not alone, they can talk about how they feel, um, and just try and break down that stigma. Um, so yeah, something along those lines. Okay, cool. And a picture of me, of course. Obviously, just like that, <laughs> just thumbs up, just cheesy grin, better call Saul, better call Paul. Edited. Yeah. Um, so finally, it's, it's quite a big question and kind of um, answer it as you see fit, but what impact do you want to have on the world? Mm. I want to set up a better life for, I wouldn't say a better life, but just I don't want people to suffer like my dad suffered. Um, because there's a lack of help out there still. There's a lot that needs to be done when it comes to mental health, the stigma, etc. Um, and now as a dad, my huge fear here in suicide rates in young people scares the hell out of me. And some of the ages that people are suffering with, extreme anxiety, extreme depression. And, you know, I've got two boys, one's, um, one's two and one's nine. Just turned nine, yes, yeah, so it's, it's scary. Um, and just... You know, if anything happened to them or they felt like they were struggling mentally mm. and they couldn't get the support that they needed that would be very hard to deal with so for me it's about setting up the next generation our generation is messed up <laughs> we've still got hope we've still got hope but setting up the next generation who can then pass it on to the next generation you know my, my grandkids if you think further than that i want my grandkids to actually say you know granddad paul did well like you know yeah. people are now more open about mental health and yeah that's kind of it i like how people are gradually getting um more and more yeah people are talking about it more and more yeah. and I, I think it's and talking helps you yeah know, it does it's going i think and it's good to see like things like this like podcast i see so many more people are like setting up podcasts yeah, yeah, and true. having open conversations and kind of steering away from the mainstream media and actually yeah. having meaningful conversations so i think that links back to positive positives for social media and the online space is yeah. 
that anyone can have a voice. Yeah, I think awareness is key. Prevention is, is more important though. Yeah. And you know, still not enough has been done to prevent what's happening. And what was scary for me is obviously we experienced a negative you know, around mental health, how mental health was treated nine years ago. So my dad was very let down and we were let down and how it was treated. So nine years later, I'm hearing stories which are exactly the same as what my dad experienced. And you think in that nine year period, nothing has changed, realistically. I know recently they've just said mental health will become compulsory in schools by 2020 or 2019, which was a big campaign that Sure Mind Foundation was a part of, or, or they, they fronted. Um, but again, looking deeper into the actual report, it's not as good as what's in the headlines. There's a lot that still needs to be done. And yeah, I, I think you know, so much needs to change. It's not, it's not an overnight thing. So you're, obviously your children are quite, quite young. Are they aware of what of your like campaigning and the space mental health? So. But how do they, how do they process that? Do you sometimes worry about, you know, them looking at you? Obviously, they love you, your dad, but it's quite, you know, it's a big emotional attached, yeah. and they must know about their granddad. Yeah, it was so difficult how because. How do they cope with that? So, Freddie, the eldest, he's my stepson, so I met him when he was um, two, so I've sort of been in his life since he was two. And he was the one that obviously me and Amy said, we need to tell him now. Obviously, he never met my dad, um, neither has my other son, so they've never known granddad, but. He always asked, like, yeah, it's sad that, you know, your dad's died. Um, and then it was more like, how did he die? And it's trying to tell, I think he was seven at the time, eight, um, how someone took their own life. And he was so sweet about it. You know, I didn't tell any details. I just said, you know, when people get, you know, sick or ill, you know, my dad was, was you know, ill, you know, in his mind. And he couldn't put up with it any longer. And he just went oh that's so sad that's so sad for you and it was so sweet and it's hard but yeah we need i needed to show him because he's so into youtube he's like oh i want to be a youtuber like you and, and all of this and um i thought if he just stumbles on one of my videos and hears what i say it would surprise him more you should be very proud yeah i think you should think, be proud of what you've done and maybe you know as he grows up and gets in perhaps teenage years yeah you know, it's an honourable thing you're doing. And, and I think just standing, standing up to suicide, you know, there's still such a... I was the same. I told people that my dad died in a road accident because I didn't want to say he died of suicide. Whereas that needs to change. Like, we shouldn't feel ashamed. We shouldn't have to bury it under the carpet. We should just be more openly talking about it. Because, again, when people are burying it under the carpet, that's what's causing a lot of people feeling shameful for having suicidal thoughts. So, yeah, that's kind of the aim. Awesome. All right, so wrapping it up... Um, so two kind of subcategories. Any books? I mean, we've we've spoken about one. Any books or podcasts that you can um, let us know, let the future listeners know to check out. Yeah, I'll make some notes. Uh, Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle. Also, New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. That helped me a lot with my ego. Okay. Um, in terms of other books that have helped me, there's loads, but I would say to come into mind the one thing. That helped. Okay. Also, four-hour work week on a business perspective. Um, podcasts, Gary Vee, um, your podcast, of course. Oh, obviously, big up, get a grip. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, get that plug in there. Um, but yeah, I kind of just try and dial in on just a one or two podcasts now. Um, I used to like Lewis Howes. He has the School of Greatness. Um, and also Dave Asprey, Bulletproof. I used to listen to a lot of that. Okay, cool. Oh, something I did want to mention quickly... Um, so anything you want to plug, promote, or talk about, 
My Mind Apparel. Yeah, yeah I Let mean, us know about that. That looks really cool. Clothing brand that's coming out that one gets people talking. So the aim of My Mind Apparel is you wear the shirt and it's about expressing and showing that you're open to talk about mental health. But to every purchase funds a conversation on Calm Suicide Hotline. So if you buy a t-shirt, um, we donate seven pounds straight to Calm, which is the cost of a hotline call. That's awesome. Um, but you can make that, you can see that where that exactly. is actually going and what impact that can have. Yeah, and then the whole aim of it is, long story short, is yes, you can buy one t-shirt and then fund a conversation that needs to be had. But if you share it, you could potentially fund five, six, 10, 20 conversations. Um, and then the aim of it is different collections will raise awareness for different mental health um, and fund different charities, etc. Awesome. But yeah, in terms of plug, just you know, follow me on Instagram, um, which is pmcgregor.com. Facebook's the same. Um, search for Paul McGregor, and that's it. Cool. Last one. Um, so as part of the podcast series, I ask the guest um, because I have a Spotify channel mm-hmm. where I get a guest to share a song that fires them up, cool. and one that chills them out. Cool. So what's your fire up tune, and what's oh. your chill out tune, and it goes on goes in the playlist so it's going to be on there forever so fire up fire up fire it's got up? to be i don't know something from drake probably yeah a bit of trizzy drake um i would say <laughs> this is a funny one as well i used to listen to before i did speaking wavy i don't know who sings okay. it wavy w-a-v-y is that that's not Drake though? No? no, no, no. It's someone else. Okay, wavy. Tight, oh, Tiger, someone like that. We'll try and find it. Find it. Link You'll it, find link it. it to me. I'll wavy. find it. Wavy. Okay. Great song. And Obviously then your MC roots coming through on the fire. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. And then what chills me out what is chills um, you out? Is someone I listen to a lot of Jason Mraz. Um, big fan of him. And what I'm listening to recently is Freya Ridings. Um, F R E Y A Ridings. And yeah, her voice is amazing. Sick. All right, we'll get them on the playlists. Cool. Uh, get a great music. Quick plug. Give it a follow. There's, there's loads of different genres on there. Something to yeah fire us up for a workout or chill us out. You know, music can affect our mood in positive ways. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. Paul, thank you very much for sharing your story. Pleasure, man. Thank you for um, having me. Yeah. Now we've got an event. Let's here. do it. Looking forward to it. Hopefully. All right. Peace. Cheers. Wow, what an amazing episode and a huge thanks to Paul for being so open and honest after such a tragic loss and all the amazing work he is doing under the mental health umbrella. I think you can all agree it is nothing short of inspirational as he continues to help and reach out to thousands. Do make sure you follow all his social channels to follow his journey and see what he's up to. Also do give Project Get A Grip YouTube channel, subscribe and check out the podcast playlist on the Spotify channel from all the previous guests there's some absolute bangers on there so head over to get a grip music on spotify okay until next time